Welcome to Clued in Mystery. I'm Sarah. And I'm Brooke. And we both love mystery. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Sarah. We're back for season six. I know. I cannot believe it. We've been doing this for almost two years. I know. It's really exciting. And um, to be honest, everyone, I couldn't believe we were on six. So uh, we're looking forward to 2024 and a lot of fun things, even just in the first part of the year. So make sure you follow us on all the places and so you can stay clued in. So today we are recapping our uh, winter 2023 TBR lists. So before the holiday break, we each shared what we were planning to read. Um, and Brooke, why don't I start? I'll talk about uh, a book that I actually that was on my list, but I didn't finish. And that is Opium and Absinthe uh, by Lydia Kang. So this is a historical mystery, and it is set just at the turn of the 20th century. So 1899 in New York. And for whatever reason, I just could not get into this. I think maybe there's a couple of, actually, I think there's a couple of reasons I didn't get into it. One, um, the main character, and it's in the title, it's in the description, but she becomes addicted to drugs. And I have never enjoyed watching or reading anything that uh, is kind of around around drugs although I did actually just finish a finish a book um in November that was about drug use and managed to get through that this one for, I think is um I just couldn't get into it uh and the other reason is that I was also reading another historical fiction set about a decade earlier and I think I just kept getting the two books mixed up in my head and maybe a third reason is that I was reading this as an ebook which I for whatever reason have really been struggling with reading ebooks lately, uh, really turning to uh, hard copy books or audiobooks. But I do intend to finish it because I've gotten far enough along that I feel like I'm invested in the mystery and, and invested enough that I, that I do want to finish it. But yeah, it was just not something I was able to get through over the holidays. Yeah. And, you know, we did that um, whole episode about the fact that Sometimes a book just doesn't hit for you for whatever reason. And um, I loved that conversation because I find that about myself. And sometimes I feel bad because it's a book that someone else has said they really like or whatever reason. And I, um, so I enjoyed having that conversation with you and then learning this about you because sometimes that just happens. So the first one I will cover is the Richard Osman book, The Last Devil to Die, which is number four in his series. And I did. Uh, listen to this one. I didn't realize that it was like a Christmas setting, so it ended up being really perfect. It's it's, it's happening around the holidays for the for the a Thursday Murder Club. Um, I really enjoyed it. I love this series. I really feel like this has kind of become one of my favorite series. Um, I feel like Joyce really comes into her own in this one. I will say that. There was a portion of the book because of some of the personal things that are going on in their lives that um, I feel like the mystery got lost a little bit uh, and I didn't feel like there was as much sleuthing and detecting going on. But by this time, I'm really loving these characters, so I kind of gave I, I kind of gave them a buy on that. Um, I loved at the end of the audiobook, there was a 
interview with Richard Osman that was really great. And I loved that he said that you need to think about if you see a group of elderly people hanging out together, you have to think about how much wisdom and knowledge and, and like how many experiences that group has had and like, you know, not to like count them out. So I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, I, I listened to the book. I actually listened to it tw- twice back to back, which I did with his first book as well, because I enjoyed uh, both of them so much. But I'm with you. I felt like there was so much about the characters that the mystery was a little bit kind of second in this story. Um, so I do hope that if there's another one that they return to more sleuthing, uh, you know, I think the the character development is is important, but it it really overshadowed the mystery. I think, but I have to say that that the character development was handled uh, beautifully. Absolutely, yeah. You can tell everyone that we're not wanting to give anything away for any of you who haven't read this, but um, it was extremely touching, and I think. Um, kind of illuminating, you know, for someone who's in the middle part of my life and looking at that generation, it was very, it was just very touching and I think uh, meaningful to me. So the next one that was on my list was The Christmas Card Crime, which uh, is a collection of short stories uh, put together by Martin Edwards. Uh, and these, as the title suggests, were all kind of Christmas themed or winter themed. And uh, I thought I I really enjoyed these. Uh, there were some that I enjoyed more than others, um, but they varied in length. So some were um, much shorter and, and some were, were a little longer. Uh, I think my favorite was the, the story that was titled The Christmas Card Crime. Um, but yeah, I would, you know, if, if anybody's looking for something that is uh, set around the holidays, uh, then I would, I would recommend this. I think everything was written in, I think maybe the latest was something that was published in 1960s. Um, so, you know, 50 or more years ago um, for, for most of these stories. Uh, so, de- you know, definitely set in their, in their times, but enjoyable nonetheless. So sticking with that Christmas theme, uh, the next one I'll talk about is The Christmas Appeal by Janice Hallett. And I did read this as an ebook for a very particular reason. I needed to either have a paperback or an ebook because this is an epistolary novel, which is something I love. But it's a very contemporary version because uh, it is set in contemporary times. So they are a series of emails and some text messages. And I think some actual letters are passed back and forth. But it's a very unique telling of a uh, mystery which I really, really loved. And I had heard some comments that if you hadn't read The Appeal, that there's would be some spoilers or you might not be able to follow the story, but I didn't find that at all. I thought it was great. And um, so even without reading that first one, and this definitely won't be my, my last, I intend to go back and start this series. Um, I'm, so, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it, Brooke, because I really enjoyed the appeal and the Twyford Code is the other book that Janice Hallett has has written, and so the Twyford Code doesn't have that same group of characters. It's a different, it's a you know totally different book, but both were really good. And so I haven't read the the Christmas Appeal, 
I listened to both the appeal and the Twyford Code. And when I first started listening to the appeal, I had to restart it because I was like, I don't understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And I think I really would have benefited from actually having some written words in front of me. Once I figured out what was going on, it was, you know, it it was easy enough to follow. I think we should talk about kind of books that are in this different kind of format. I think that would be a great episode for us to do. Yes, I would love to. And I will say that even though I had the ebook, there was a, a little bit of warming up to how this was going to go and how you could uh, get into the story. But uh, it's extremely humorous and the characters are just really funny. And uh, and seeing someone's thoughts that way and the way that you write a text message, you know, back and forth to your husband, for instance, or an email to your best friend, it was it was really great. So the next on my list is Murder at the Vicarage, which I know was also on your list, Brooke. So it'll be interesting to hear your take on it. Um, I think this is the first of the Miss Marple stories that uh, Agatha Christie published. And I, and it was so it was published in 1930. Um, I felt like she was really hard on women in this book. I don't know if you had that take. Uh, like the mystery was good. I, I I enjoyed that. But there were several moments where I was like, oh, this is definitely almost 100 years ago that this was written because, yeah, she just there were some unkind sentiments I felt for for women. I don't know if you picked up on that, Brooke. I don't think that I necessarily picked up on that, but I really felt like she was trying to uh, find her way into who Miss Marple was. Because in my opinion, Miss Marple wasn't the sleuth at all. I felt like the vicar was the sleuth of this story. I agree. Yeah. They kept, they kept talking about how Miss Marple was, um, so great at kind of solving these, these mysteries, but we didn't actually see that in the book. Mm -mm. No. Um, so I, uh, it's interesting to think about where she went um, and then that this was the starting point, you know, and that even Agatha Christie uh, had to kind of feel out her characters and feel out like what what she wanted a series to be. But um, so back to your original point, Sarah, I don't think that I picked up on it as I was reading it. Like it, it didn't like catch, you know, stick in my cross, so to speak. But now that you mention it, I can see exactly what you're saying. And we see that sometimes with Christie's or, you know, any of the Golden Age authors where we get a little ick sometimes at some of their uh, uh, references or attitudes. And um, yeah, I can see what you mean. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't read any more. Um, by Agatha Christie. And I definitely want to read some more Miss Marple. This was the first uh, Miss Marple novel that I've read by Agatha Christie. And, you know, I, I definitely will, will read some more. Um, but yeah, I just, it was uh, something I noted for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I noticed a difference from early Miss Marple, and then kind of my thoughts of her long term was like she was portrayed as sort of an unlikable busybody in this Mm -hmm. book like the townspeople just really didn't like her she uh was a thorn in their side 
and I, you know, over the years, I feel like she became more likable and more a kind of a accepted part of of the group. Maybe she did this because she already had Poirot to contend with, who was, uh, you know, a little bit hard to get along with, and she didn't need two main sleuths that both had that uh, personality thing. Oh, that's a that's a great theory, Brooke. I re- I, I think there's probably some merit to it. <laughs> <laughs> she got tired of Poirot. Maybe she needed like a little friend in Miss Marple. Yeah, yeah. So the nonfiction book that I read over break was Furious Hours, Murder, Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee. And so we have right there in the title, Harper Lee, the description discusses how this is going to tell us the story of when Harper Lee basically um, wanted to do her own in cold blood. You know, she helped Truman Capote research and write his uh breakout, uh, kind of the first true crime novel. And so the setup is that she was going to do the same thing with this other case 17 years later. But we don't even read the name Harper Lee until over halfway into the book. So I was quite disappointed, although it was fascinating, the the, the crime that uh, she does eventually go and research is fascinating. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely amazing that it took place in the 1970s. It really makes you think maybe less of the justice system. But, you know, I'm I'm wanting to hear how Harper Lee was involved in this. And so I feel like the book could have been told in a little different structure in order to bring her in sooner. But eventually we get there and um, she does go and uh, sit in on this trial and really attempts to write this book, but she never finishes it. She writes the book for almost a decade off and on. And, um, it, it's, it's just really heartbreaking to see that she was kind of unable to get past the pressure of the fame and the, um, expectations that came after she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. And, you know, she just couldn't do it. And the book explains that um, maybe about 15 years before her death, she uh, quit drinking and quit writing and actually was kind of the happiest that she was in her whole life. And I just found it to be just really sad that she had so much pressure after that huge success. She just wasn't really ever able to find that uh, confidence to, to write another book. Yeah, that is that is really sad. Something to kind of reflect on uh, in terms of like that that pressure that is is put on really successful authors. Exactly. Yeah, I think that it's hard to know what those uh, people who uh, their their names are in light, so to speak, what they go through uh, in order to continue producing, but just to even live their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the last book that I had on my TBR list, Brooke, was the one that you recommended for me. And so that was Robert Goddard's book, Long Time Coming. Uh, and so this was published in 2010, but it was set dual timeline in the 1970s and in the 1940s. And both of those times are not, uh, I haven't read a lot from 
both of those times. So that was that was really interesting. Um, and I really liked the the story. It was um, it was a great recommendation. So thank you, Brooke. I really enjoyed it. And I will definitely read another book, at least one other book by Goddard, because um, I found it quite, um, quite a compelling story. That's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Sarah. And the last book I have to uh, talk about is also the book that Sarah recommended to me, which was Mother Daughter Murder Night. And I listened to this as an audio book and I also really enjoyed it. You know, I love multi-generational women's stories. Sarah knows this. And uh, so it was great for me. Um, it was also a book that was set very much in the outdoors, which I realized as I was listening to it, I don't do a lot of the of the outdoorsy kind of mysteries. So that was a nice change. Um, and I really enjoyed seeing the relationships grow with these women as the uh, as the, they solved the mystery together. So that was really a, a, a really nice point to it. Um, I have to say their last name was Rubicon. And I thought, what a wonderful name to give to people who are going to be solving a crime. I thought that was just, you know, it wasn't lost on me. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, Brooke. This was the first book by Nina Simon. And I hope that it is the first of a series. I, 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 don't know. I haven't um, looked into whether there's another one coming, but I, I think there was a setup there that um, that there could be uh, future books in that in that series with those three women uh, working together. I would agree. I think that that would be a great series. Well, it sounds like we had some good reading, Brooke. Um, I hope you also found some time to rest over the holidays. I did. We had a wonderful holiday season. And uh, yeah, this was a great group of books. And we also had some great mystery shows that we watched. And it was it was just a really fun time. How about you, Sarah? We had a great holiday season as well. And uh, I'm really looking forward to 2024. As am I. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Clued in Mystery. I'm Brooke. And I'm Sarah. And we both love mystery. Clued in Mystery is written and produced by Brooke Peterson and Sarah M. Stephen. Music is by Shane Ivers. If you liked what you heard, please consider telling a friend, leaving a review, or subscribing with your favorite podcast listening app. Visit our website at cluedinmystery.com to sign up for our newsletter, The Clued in Chronicle, or to join our paid membership, The Clued in Cartel. We're on social media at Clued in Mystery.